on the road. Hi, uh, this is Mark Archer from Alternate. Hi, this is Ian from Dream Frequency. This is Slipmat, and you're in turn to the On the Rave. On the Rave. On the Rave podcast. Watch your bass spins, I'm telling you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, ravers of all ages, welcome back to another jam-packed edition of the On The Rave Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. We're going to start off the same way we start off all these shows, which is with... A little bit of Raver's Choice. Artie's been sent a track for us to play. We've got some Raver's Choice from Mr. Tony T. Tony T, friend of the show. Tony T, getting in touch. Um, and he has sent us a track by Annihilator. Another Scott Brown alias there, Gav. Another Scott Brown alias. And the track's name is I'll Show You My Run. On the Mighty Bottom Records. Wow. Thank <laughs> you. 
Once again, that was Annihilator. I'll show you my gun on the mighty Markham Records, as Addy put it. Uh, and that was Raver's Choice, which has been selected by Tony T. Uh, he's one of the people who always gets back in touch when we ask for one of these tracks. Remember, if you want your track to feature at the start of the podcast, get Just in look touch. Out. We, we know, I normally put a post up probably a week before our next show, so just keep an eye out. Yeah. It'll, it'll be on Twitter, it'll be on Instagram, or it's even better if you're on Facebook. Yeah, that's get it. Get involved. And it'll be accompanied by the hashtag Raver's Choice, because that's just the crack. Um, we've got, uh, as we said before, we've got a jam-packed episode today. Um, Chuck uh, Block, man! Chuck Block with a, a good conversation and some absolutely banging tunes with a really nice guy. Oh, um, uh, You'll have heard me waxing lyrical about the record label that he is associated with, record label sound system, uh, Life for Land. Um, uh, what you're about to hear is a conversation that Ali and myself had on Zoom with the amazing Ed Cox. E. Addy, guess what? Have we got a guest called Ed Cox because this is take two because I forgot to press record? Well, that <laughs> might just be exactly the band now. Yeah, we are on the line with one of the more requested artists. We uh, certainly are. Yeah, and we, played him though. I mean, we played him a few times. Huh? Uh, his stuff and other stuff from the record label that he represents in Life for Land. We are online with the amazing Ed Cox. Ed, how's it going? I'm all right, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, yeah, we're good. doing good. Good, uh, again. Take good. two. Uh, take two, as you've heard, because Addy forgot to press Sorry, record. I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be one of our podcasts if there wasn't some sort of technical issue that we need to sort yeah. out. Um, so for the uninitiated Ed, for the people who don't know who you are, do you want to tell all of the ravers who are listening a little bit about what you do in the world of music? Yeah, well, uh, my name's Ed Cox, and I'm um, from a sound system slash label called Life for Land. Uh, the main thing that people know me for is making. Rave music, um, playing the accordion over the top of it whilst dressed as a clown. Yeah, a bit of clown core. Yeah, and a little bit of clown history. I think at one point I gave you a pair of clown shoes that I found in a bin. Yeah, yeah, that did happen. You came up to play one of those glorious nights in Newcastle. Do you have good memories of those raves you played at the Cooperage? Yeah, I do, actually. That uh, rickety building that didn't look like it could handle uh, that amount of stomping. <laughs> it's been saved as well, because it shut down for years and years and years. Someone bought it. Yeah, I, I heard that, yeah. Is there what it's open again? Well, again. Yeah, happy uh, days. Yeah, hopefully we'll get right. back into the Cooperage. It's one of the things that we really love that. But yeah. no, um, there's a local poet up here who wrote a poem about I... the first... Have you yeah, you know what? I heard that. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's really good, Rowan. Yeah, Rowan, uh, one of the friends of the podcast, does daughter to poetry, and he wrote this amazing poem uh, about that night that you played and clown core and stuff like that, and it's just... Yeah, yeah, I'll need to re-listen to that. That was fucking really nice. Well, yeah. I've got a live recording of it somewhere on, uh, on my laptop, yeah. and I'll send you the version. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's definitely worth a reshare in these fucking miserable times, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, well, yeah, well, we know Ed from years and years back, as I say, putting gigs on at the Cooperage, handing them sets of shoes, uh, kidnapping them and taking them to music festivals and all yeah. sorts of shenanigans. On no sleep whatsoever. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. Or, or on another occasion, leaving mine and getting halfway to Edinburgh before realising that you'd left your accordion on the floor in my flat in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, I remember that as well. 
all the way back to drive all the way back to Edinburgh. I fucking remember that, yeah. All the CDs for DJ with what in the bag with the accordion. It was <laughs> yeah, I was definitely on one. Yeah, definitely. Ah, uh, some good, good times. Um, well, let's crack on and get this podcast back up on the road. Yes. Um, uh, so, Ed, Ed, what are you doing at the minute? Have you got any artists and uh, any ventures that you're working in? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the ra- the rave accordion things taken. So, you know, I do that how I've been doing it, but then I've also got a. We do a sort of more hard tech version uh, with the producer known as E. Coli. So we've been doing that for the last few years. Um, I've been singing a little bit on that on that vibe as well. Um, and then I've been doing, um, obviously I've been doing the DSC thing with Stibs, but then me and Stibs have also been producing reggae and dancehall beats. Um, with a bit of a ravey edge, uh, with a with a crew called Chaotic Cartel, um, we went to Jamaica and recorded an album with. Um, well, we basically recorded like how many artists? Probably about I think it was about twelve artists from Jamaica, and then come back and recorded another thirteen artists from England on the same thing. So I think it was about twenty five artists in total on the album. Nice. Yeah, Yeah. nice to get the collaboratory work on. Um, Exactly. Yeah, and like since then we come back and we're um, we're we're in in contact with a lot of the the um, vocalists and producers that we we linked with over there. So we're still making music, um, you know, remotely, um, sending over to Jamaica, getting them to record it. We've got an EP on the go with one of our artists, um, and then we've got a couple of singles on the go as well. Yeah, spot on. Um, uh, and what we'll do, as always, Rev, as you can go into the comments and you'll find links to all of the different bits and pieces you've got going on. Um, we've got a Bandcamp link to the new album, which uh, the one on Irritant, um, yeah. which is just, it's, it's disgusting. Nice. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's absolutely great. Um, some class samples, uh, just some banging tunes. So if you want any more information on what's going on, you can dive into the comments section and get a list full of all of the different bits and pieces that Ed's got going on at the minute. Yeah, and also just a quick one on that irritant one. It's worth getting the vinyl just for the artwork because it it's the Porg. He did my last album cover and he's done like lots of rave um, illustrations over the years, like the big tanks the generator flyers with the sound system attached to it probably have seen seen his artwork and not known it's him but this this one's amazing it's got like puppets and like um the politicians like boris johnson and it's such a sick fucking artwork on that one like it is yeah yeah, yeah. and if you dive in the comments i'll leave a link to where you can find it on Bandcamp, and i'll also leave a link to where you can buy the 12 inch as well it's a two 12 inch set yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember having a look at it the other day when you sent me the stuff over. Um, but but let's crack on and start yeah. a couple of these questions from this podcast, and we'll start off with early influences. So of all of the music that was maybe pushed on you a little bit early on in your like fledgling musical career, um, what artists stand out and uh, who was it who was pushing their music on you? Was it the parents like us? 
Uh, it was not my parents. My dad liked um, rubbish music from Wild West films. Like <laughs> Rawhide and fucking like just... Oh, hang on, Rawhide's a bugger! <laughs> no, it is, it is. But when, when your dad's like doing the like fucking whip motion like and like oh listen and it was like Kenny Rogers honestly it was like at the time I hated it but um, yeah Rawhide I've grown to like but um, but yeah I mean like my mum liked Rod Stewart and um, my mum fucking my mum and my uncle fucking Love Rod Stewart. My uncle would mortgage his house if you can go and watch Rod Stewart again. Like, I'm, I'm not even fucking lying. It's terrible. It's uh, yeah, but she liked some of the Beatles. I liked some of the Beatles, like, um, vinyl she had. Um, come together, that, you know, a couple of them I liked. But um, I think most of those ones are sort of, I, I got a bit older before I sort of appreciated some of them. But yeah, it was my next door neighbour of five years older than me, um, who I looked up to, um, and yeah, he yeah he was into punk and metal, nice and rock and stuff like that. Um, got me onto Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, um, early Nirvana before Kurt died, and all of that. Because after he cut died, everyone fucking jumped on it and was like, oh, I love the one. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, that must have been, that was probably a little bit fast forward, to be honest. I was just trying to get the years right, because yeah, when I was about seven, it was like Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, um, Sex Pistols, I had an album of theirs. Um, and then, yeah, like uh, some of the old sort of American, like Black Flag, Minor Threat, Fugazi, those kind of bands, Bad Religion. But, I still absolutely love Bad Religion and listen to Bad yeah. Religion to this day. Yeah. Like, I love, I, I, love, I love a bit of Bad Religion. Like, yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah. Um, I, I, I am made and I really, I mean, for me, the... The musicality and the 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 way they go off on one in their music it is just something special. And I think you know a lot of the metal and stuff is just like one riff, verse, chorus, bridge, fucking solo, same riff, gone. Like Iron Maiden, it's like I didn't even fully really appreciate it until listening back, and I'm like fucking hell. It's like classical music going like different movements just it's like you know there's just yeah it's it's fucking mad and obviously Bruce Dickinson has got a fucking set of lungs on him just going off <laughs> oh yeah dude can absolutely bellow um and of course with the old Iron Maiden stuff you had that amazing artwork you were just talking about the artwork yeah absolutely stuff, but some of the yeah. stuff had some very evocative artwork on the front yeah and then the monster was called Eddie and I'm called Ed and uh, I did feel a bit of an affiliation with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was the, it was the artwork that actually made me buy, buy the single, uh, the clairvoyant. Um, just cause yeah, it's just like some fucking head being ripped apart and like, and just dissected and that. And uh, I don't, I know it was like, yeah, it was definitely the artwork played a massive, Influence of me um, 
going out there and, and, and getting an album of uh, that was a single, yeah, or EP. But yeah, that was like fucking hell, that's amazing. I just remember just always kept looking at the artwork for like hours. <laughs> Well, let's get a little bit of Iron Maiden on. Um, and the track you selected, as you said, is from 1988, and it's called... The Clairvoyant.
That was a little bit of Iron Maiden with the clairvoyant. Yeah, boom. Um, and as as I said, as Ed said, that came out on single in 1988, which was a good year in music, as I like to say. It's always a good year in music. Let's crack on. Unless it's shit. Unless it's shit. You love that one, don't you? I do. Yeah. What's the thing? What's the what's the one about good music? <laughs> good music will always be good, but bad music will always be shit. There'll never be. <laughs> uh, let's crack on with section two, which is finding your own feet. So after the music that you were not force fed, but trickle fed by the uh, neighbor uh, who got you into the Iron Maiden and stuff like that, what sort of artists did you start uh, coming accustomed to when you were picking the music that was going on? Yeah, so. It basically similar similar genres, but just they like, got heavier and heavier. Um, with the metal thing, I was it's like Metallica up to the Black Album, um, and then like Pantera, Sepultura, like in um, who else? Well, just yeah, I mean like all that kind of thing. Really, it's more like thrash early, you know, like. Sort of, Mainstream thrash metal, yeah, sort of stuff. Um, and then with punk, I got heavier as well. And uh, the exploited were my favorite punk band, which then I sort of, uh, yeah, I from when I was about 13 onwards, I got more and more into punk and sort of left metal behind. Um, yeah, and just adopted the whole thing, the punk thing, and was very much punk. So were you listening to it, or were you, like, full aesthetic? Did you have the... Like, yeah, the- I had the fucking massive Mohican, fucking bondage trousers, fucking safety pins everywhere, fucking... Just fell right into that style. Yeah, I loved it. And then, I mean, it was only until later, later, I realised that, you know, it doesn't really mean you're a punk, but I did, I did like all that as well. I mean... It, Again, like the like the artwork with Iron Maiden getting you into it, that all of the aesthetic and stuff got me more and more into punk as well. So it kind of, you know, they sort of play hand in hand in a way, you know. Yeah, um, that's the, the infamous logo of the skull of the Mohican. Yeah, I mean, ex- exploited, you know, the you? fact that they had mass Americans as well and were more, were way more like, punk looking than a lot of the other bands I listened to that I think that definitely helped me like them more and they had a bit more of an angry sound about them which kind right. of uh you know it's a it's a soundtrack to teenage heads you know what I mean like <laughs> your teacher's pissing you off to start fucking punching your wall and listening to fucking punk's not dead it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah as I was telling you before I once went to go and see the exploited and uh, I came out with my shins absolutely kicked in that night because yeah. the crowd was just absolutely wild. Just absolutely yeah. wild. And that's one of my memories of of, of seeing the Oxbrighted. Don't fuck with the Balmy Army. Is, yeah. Is all I'd add to that, like, because it left it left me with bruises. He's ex-military, isn't he, uh, what he? He was, uh, yeah. He was he, yeah, I think that's uh, probably... You can hear that sort of uh, anger in it, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that angry militant edge. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. So, yeah. 
of all of the stuff you heard by the exploited, is there one track that you'd like to play for the Ravers that you think uh, encapsulates them? Yeah, well, it was uh, from this album uh, as a live album, uh, and uh, yeah, it was the, the song was called Alternative, and that was the one that stood out for me the most. Cool, let's get it on. This was called Alternative. Army, army, uh, the exploited, um, uh, all over jackets, all over. The door is to still sell the exploited badges in Kazbat's den in Newcastle. Yeah. So you can still go and get the little stick on iron on patch. Iron patch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So what's next, then, Gav? Let's crack on and do section three, which is first rave memories. memories. So. Do you have a very good grasp on the first rave that you ever went to or first rave that you Or was it, was it just a drugged out mess like ours? <laughs> well, it was a bit of both, really. I mean, I do remember it very well, uh, but I was also a drugged up mess. Um, but yeah, it was a Reading Festival. Um, I was there, obviously, for the punk and metal type music. You know, the, explo- um, the Prodigy was playing. And uh, Beastie Boys and Rancid, and like it was a really good weekend. And it was, uh, I think it was the Saturday night, and um, the dance tent was one of the ones that was um, open later. And uh, Ronnie Size was playing. Nice. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, and the guys I was with, um, they were more into into sort of dance music than I was. Um, and they were like, come on, you'll like it, you'll like it. And I was um, I was on Mushrooms and Speed. And... Uh, breakfast and Champion. It's a killer combination. I do, Breakfast and yeah, It is, yeah. Proper champion mix, that one. It keeps you going. <laughs> Makes it funny. It does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then I found myself dancing, but like I was kind of uh, looking around to see if I was doing it right, you know what I mean? Because I was used to just moshing and pushing people around. <laughs> Like all of a sudden there was like dancing, you know, and then uh, 
yeah, just I remember just lo- losing myself at one point, thinking, "Wow, this is this is different." I'm like, not not used to not being sort of connected in a way, you know. I think it's more maybe more drum and bass than other other types of rave music, but you know, you, you've got your little zone, you sort of dancing and that, and uh, people respected the zone rather than. Uh, just constantly fighting with everyone around you. Well, everyone gives each other enough space to dance in circles and wave your arms. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, maybe I wouldn't say the same if it, if techno was the first wave uh, experience, especially back in the nineties when people were like fucking right next to each other. But yeah, sweating all over each other in there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was definitely Ronnie's size, and I do remember specifically the brown paper bag tune because oh, it's a banner. Yeah, and also coming from a, you know, a instrumenty kind of background with my musical taste, that hearing the bass guitar in that context uh, was amazing, really. And uh, yeah, I just remember dancing to that fully and getting properly involved. Yeah, sweet. We love a little bit of brown paper. We did. We 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 see him at uh, the uni when it was the uni. Yeah, I've seen him a couple of times. I've seen him do the live represent show where so that was the same right? Yeah, represent with a hard MJ Cole and Evil Eddie Richards. Evil Eddie Richards. Evil Eddie Richards was supporting. Uh, one of those gigs down in that. That's so it's about as much as I can remember from the night because it was my birthday. <laughs> I'd had a, I'd had a pill, pill on the way in. And I had a, a very quick pill poo straight away, like you know when it hits your stomach, and you're just like, "Shit, I need to go right now." Yeah, <laughs> that, like that anxious moment of like wondering whether or not you're actually going to get into a cubicle. Yeah, just and what the stick. Oh, yeah. Dancing yeah. outside this, the cubicle. It was really early, so it was empty. But was, what the hell, Early two thousands. Cool, well, let's get a little bit of money size on. Brown paper bag. of brown paper sounds that we bring are of a different nature rhythms get greater and the rhythms they get greater yes another of a tough form for the chaser new configuration new riff and new structure built on the frame that'll hold and won't puncture tight we wrap it up it's wrapped tightly
nature Rhythms get greater and the rhythms they get greater Yes, another of us are full for the chaser New configuration, new rip and new structure Belts on the frame that don't hold and won't puncture Tight, we wrap it up, it's wrapped tightly Represents a little bit of Ronnie size and a little bit of slappy bass and brown paper bag. Oh, it's a, it's a classic. It's one of the like few drum and bass tracks that I retain on vinyl. Um, I got rid of a lot of my rave vinyl when I realized that I was never going to be able to DJ after seven years of playing with 12 tens and just now the beat match just completely stuck to the fucking uh to the MC. And after that, like, yeah, so, they'll be in the warm, sweaty one at the front. Uh, section four of the On The Road podcast is the bit when we talk about festival fever. Um, and I'm going to be very, very surprised if you tell me that you're not a fan of a festival, seeing as I once stole you when you came to a gig in Newcastle uh, and took you off to a field to go to a festival that we were just reminiscing yeah. about. Um, on a big hill. On a big hill in the middle of Newcastle, yeah. in the freezing <laughs> cold of Thimblebury. Yeah, uh, the Glastonbury of the North. The glass and of the north. No, as put it, <laughs> Andy Thimblebury would absolutely love that. Like, oh, you would. I'll tell you, I'll, 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 I wish you'd send him that on Facebook. I love that. The glass and you, you got me a set as well, didn't you? Like we got there, and then like uh, yeah, you played with the, you played with in a marquee within a few minutes. Yeah, it's no, no sleep whatsoever. We were like, all right, sound, and he went on next. <laughs> but literally grabbed all the ravers and put them on, and there was a guy who'd like been playing his acoustic guitar and playing a flute. And we shoved him out of the way and you fucking find him on stage with your accordion and a CD with all the backing tracks on. It was just, well, we are uh, ourselves. <laughs> Good times. Um, so do you like a little bit of outdoor noise? Are you a fan of a festival? Yeah, I love I love a good festival. And like, I mean, there's so many different ones, you know, like so many different vibes. And I love, I love even the ones that you like, you go to and you're like, oh, there's loads of just like, really old looking backdrops that are really dated and you know and, and you know you go there and you're like well these guys are like still like 20 years ago but it's just what they put it out and it's you know it's that that's that's i don't know it's kind of like they're like tribes you know and like i mean some of the big ones it, it, it's less less like that but 
You know, when I get when I get booked at like a little festival somewhere that and it's just nice to see it's like an opening to someone's world and you know, the way that they create the space and like yeah, yeah. you know, like like someone's just gone and built a fucking big nest that everyone can just lay in. You know, it's just yeah. little things that, you know, that people put their effort into like into zones and you know, just uh, the decor, everything about it really, and everyone's dressed up and just it's nice. It's just um exchange of of cult of you know, cultures and um Yeah, that's it, and different vibes and yeah. And it's one thing I mean, everyone's missing a little bit of a rave. We've all absolutely fucking died to go out somewhere. <laughs> we were yeah. we were supposed to be having a stage named after us, uh, a local festival, which ended up getting cancelled back in September. So fingers crossed, uh, this uh, September, yeah, it'll, it'll be back, and we'll have we'll have, have a little bit of on the rave stage, which would yeah, be nice. Yeah, um, I mean, it would it would be really really nice because we love a little bit of outdoor noise. We do love a little. Okay. Bit. Yeah. What sort of tunes remind you of festivals? Like, is it more the ravey stuff that you go for, or would you just turn up to see anything that was playing? Um, yeah, the, the second, really. I think. I mean, I've been, I've been booked for like literally. I remember one year I was booked, uh, um, I booked at a reggae festival, a punk festival, a rave festival, and a hip hop festival all in one season, you know, uh, and I loved every single one of them, like, in their own ways, you know, yeah. and they all had their, up, uh, you know, pros and cons, but I'm, I'm not, like, I wouldn't fully say, in, like, in a rave, I've sort of put more in the box of, like, raves and illegal raves and stuff, like, um, although I do rave at festivals as well, but I do, like, say, if I go to a, a big festival, I like to go through the little program and then try and watch some bands and some entertainment that I won't uh, get to see at other places and stuff like yeah. you know because if I, if I a lot of the you know winters and stuff I'm playing for club nights so I do get to see a lot of the the rave legends and stuff and you know if I mean unless if someone's real special that you know don't get booked in clubs then I'll go and see them but um yeah, I generally sort of lean towards seeing bands and, you know, artists that don't, you know... Um, so what bands are you weird to see? Or bands? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I saw the specials at Boomtown a few years ago. Nice. And that was, that was, I mean... In the sunshine? Was that? No, it was, uh, it was nighttime, but it was like... Um, but it was things like that, you know, when you're thinking, well, you know, they're, they're old now, this might be one of the last times you can see him, you know, you don't, you don't know one of them might die and like, it might all just go to shit, you know, and, and you've got to, you've got to take advantage, of, you know, it was, if Jimmy Cliff's playing at Glastonbury or something, you make the effort to go and fucking see him, do you know what I mean? Like, I ended up rolling around in the new, uh, like the, the new world stage, Jimmy Cliff was playing on one, yeah? Yeah. Um, and it was like Roots Maneuver, Jimmy Cliff, and then Fun Loving Criminals, I think it was, nice. that played like one after another. And yeah. uh, I can still remember going to see Jimmy Cliff um, and him headlining in a bright yellow tracksuit, jumping all over the place. And <laughs> the people that you go and see, like uh, like going to Bangface, you go to Bangface to go and see all the rave. Folks, take that couple of minutes out to yeah. go and see Chaz and Dave. Exactly. Exactly. Go and see Cut the Gang. To go and see Cut the Gang. Yeah. To go and see that big act. 
that yeah. like you wouldn't normally get the chance to go and see. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, if they're like they're professional musicians like that, they've been doing it from fucking when we're young. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something to learn from that sort of level of entertainment. You know what I mean? Like you want to see how how they come on stage, uh, how they how they mature as an artist. You know what I mean? And just uh, and have that in as a sort of an influence of how I could grow as an artist, you know, like, just to see how they hold the audience. They don't have to fucking maybe try as hard in some ways because they've earned that sort of respect. Yeah. You know, and, and just to watch somebody own the stage, like as someone like Jimmy Cliff or, or even the Rolling Stones or, you know, just um, one of these sort of legendary acts, you know, you, you watch them, you're like, oh, right, that's, that's how, a, you know, a, Somebody who's who's done it for years and years does it, you know what I mean? And, and you can you know. see how like seasoned they are at doing it. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's just really interesting to see um, and learn as well because I did a lot of um, before I got this uh, job that I've got now. I I was doing a lot of uh, the loadings and stuff at um, for events like uh, doing Rodian and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even watching fucking pop pop stars do it you know you're like fucking hell with that you know if someone like as whack as lady gaga you can still learn something from from the way that they perform and stuff like i'm not putting them in the same thing but it's like seeing um you know when uh, if someone's used to massive massive stages and stuff it's yeah. a different it's a different sort of show than if you're doing like uh, sweaty little venue. Basically, I mean, it's it, it and it's, a, it's it's just a whole different, different, um, different thing, really. And like, you know, like as when me, me and Nicole were doing um, some pretty big stages before all this COVID happened, and you know, I think for for me, just what watching um, watching people playing on those big stages, it, it sort of it. It sort of helps in a way. It's like like a reference. Yeah, that's 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 how you do it. <laughs> it's just one of those things where you go into raves and you get out of it what you want to get out of it. If you want to go to a festival to go and watch someone, like say for example, one Glastonbury I went to, I went to go and see Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Okay, yeah. Uh, it was like, do you know what? I'm going to go and see Brian Wilson because but a I this is going to be one of the last chances I get to go and see him. He's like, yeah. Oh, the guy. Two, I know all the Beach Boys songs, and three, he's just known for performance. So you you go and see yeah. the crazy eccentric, yeah, yeah, Homer to get to get the full side of everything yeah. that's on, and that fucking ninety minutes in the Belton hot sunshine at the Pyramid stage, I'll never forget. Like, yeah, they were they were huge that day. Yeah, um, just as much as we've seen little little us or smaller artists play in. Dungy little sweat dungeons, like we've said. Yeah. Oh, um, Another uh, one. You know, uh, C6, C6 Steve? Oh, yeah, C6 yeah. Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I watched him on the same day I watched um, Snoop Dogg and uh, at Glastonbury that year, and they, them two played. And C6 Steve, like, he had a fucking, you know, a big old audience, you know, and everyone was, I think the difference between those two was like, C16 had a massive audience of people that were there that really, really liked his music and was yeah. like there to show respect and, and, and support him. Whereas 
Snoop Dogg. I mean, I because I was obviously into punk and stuff when Snoop Dogg was was massive. You know, when all my mates liked him, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I I went along because I mean, obviously, I, I think he's a legend in his own right. But um, I I was sort of there because oh, it's Snoop Dogg. You got to watch, you know. And, and I think a big percentage of his audience was. You know, there because it's Snoop Dogg. I want to see Snoop Dogg and sort of say, "Oh yeah, I've watched Snoop Dogg." Yeah. And, and the, then I'm thinking, Snoop Dogg couldn't walk through that fucking crowd and just hang out at Glastonbury, where C6 Steve could. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, C6 Steve's the owner of this shit because he's like, he can literally have a festival walking around. Maybe the odd person can have an autograph or a fucking photograph. But then Snoop Dogg's just has to be bound for the fucking like yeah. backstage, and that, that's it. Bob would be trying to get out there. Yeah, yeah, he would. Yeah. And see six Steve, you could see down in like the Joe Strummer field. Shangri La, just off a hippie woman and drinking <laughs> yeah. in one of the fucking weird lizard lounges and stuff like that. And I think that's part of the joy of festivals. So yeah. when it comes to festivals, is that one? artist you'd like to play to represent your love for festivals and outside noises? Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm going to go for the uh, a song that reminds me of Summertime. Yeah. Because most festivals are in summertime. Yeah. Um, and it's um, Who Knows by Potter J uh, featuring Chronics. And yeah, it's, uh, I think I think reggae, reggae and sunshine just goes hand in hand for me. So it'll have to be this tune. Yeah, that's sound. Let's get it on. Yeah, let's get a little bit of outdoor noise music on. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of protege. And it's a protege. Yeah. Chronics are where you say. Yeah. I'm pleased to be chilling in the West Indies I provide all my wants and needs I got the sunshine, rivers and trees Green leaves, When me see Jah, me see your way Drastically straight from hypocrisy, I say hey. Every man to them on a philosophy I live the proper way and then me read a chapter daily Monday in a city hungry and no eat And food they don't have country does a drop off of the tree then You see say poverty no real then Is what the reason it revealing Who knows, who knows, who knows, who knows I just go as a trade wind blows Sending love to my friends and foes And I suppose I'm pleased to be chilling in the West Indies I provide all my wants and needs Got the sunshine, rivers, and trees. Really, yeah. When the rain hits up on the roof, herb just a steam pepper pot on the stew. Life is a dream if you got gratitude. So God tell the regime, them can't stop where we do now. Information you think on your own, or else you're a slave to the things that you know. What do you know if you learn every day? So be careful of things where you say. Who knows? To my friends and foes, and that's a boss. I'm pleased to be chilling in the West Indies. I provide all my wants and needs. 
sunshine, rivers and trees, green leaves. Africa in our soul, but a jack in our heart. It is of importance we I and I gather. If we cannot show now a balance that we are, how do we propose then to carry it abroad? Then I go to Ethiopia and you not have a plan. The building of a nation and a helper and every one a lover, one a man is just a man. It shall be a coronation when we learn, learn, learn. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I just go as a trifling blow. Sending love to my friends and foes. And I suppose. Sunshine music, sunshine reggae, bit of protege featuring Chronics, and that was who knows from 2014, 2015, that sort of era in any case. Uh, let's move on to my favorite section of the podcast, which is Share Discoveries. Mint. So uh we're all in our little musical bubbles these days, and we're all listening. There's to... no such thing as bubbles anymore, apparently. <laughs> Sexual no bubbles. No bubbles, not allowed. You've all been naughty bastards, the and bubbles have been popped. or anything. No, you no bubbles. No, you got, you got to stay stay clear of seeing your dad, otherwise you might kill him. Unless you got unless you're driving to Border Castle, then you're allowed to go wherever you, wherever you want. Right, right. One rule for one, and one rule for another, Addy. Eh? It's like all Tories are cunts. Oh, just yeah, dry sighted Durham for the day. It's fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> fucking exactly. Um, so let's crack on with shared discoveries. So. Um, let's not call it a musical bubble. So you've got your little musical preferences of people that you're listening to. Um, do you think there's any artists amongst your regular listenings that deserve a little bit more love and you like to give them a little bit of a push on the show? Yeah, well, I, I thought I'd use this opportunity to push somebody I know who's been, um, he's, been uh, he's a hip-hop MC um, called Mr. Key. Um, he's... He's yeah. I mean, I've known him since he was about sixteen. He used to come to our raves. So he used to come to life for land parties when I, when he was a little younger. And I was I'm probably a few years older than him. And uh, anyway, one day he, he was like, "Oh, what, what's your address? I want to come round and show you my music." Uh, so he was like sixteen at the time. He come round. It's like oh, I've got this um, CD. I want you to tell me what you think of it. Knowing that I'm not massive hip hop fan, but I was like, "Yeah, I'll listen to it." It was called Four Elephants of Hip Hop, uh, like from the like the take on that Four Elements of Hip Hop, um, and there was one of the songs had the Colonel Haffy's marching thing from is it Jungle Book or uh, maybe Dumbo, one of them Disney songs, but it's yeah. um, the elephants on parade here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they had uh, the sample that and. Um, and yeah, it's it was four of them, but Mr. Key really sort of stood out for me as the the best MC out of them lot. And then um, he basically later become he was um, so like I don't know if you know Dirty Dyke and all of yeah, the yeah. high focus slot and stuff. Well, Dirty Dyke was also 
used to come to Life for Land parties when he was also young like that as well. Um, and uh, another bit of claim to fame, I was the first person to record Dirty Dyke. Um, when he, he he went to jail um, when he was younger and then um, he started writing lyrics inspired by Mr. Key. Because um, Mr. Key was kind of, you know, ahead of his game. He was really good with his words and just clever. All of his uh, rhyming, rhyming skills was just, you know, really just ahead of a lot of people. Um, really intelligent with it. He's come from quite an intelligent family in Cambridge. Anyway, so Dirty Dyke was sort of inspired by him. Then was, um, he was locked up for ages and I um, had that time to sort of write his lyrics and stuff. And then, and if you if you kind of listen to the early Mr. Key stuff and, and Dirty Dyke, you've got a few similarities in, in, in the sort of, the way, the way they sort of rhyme and stuff. Anyway, Mr. Key uh, went on. We did that, uh, if you remember, what do you know about Cribs tune? Yeah. It was all about squatting and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Key's on that. He's the last rapper on that um, song. Um, and then after that, he uh, he went sort of the other way and become the primary school teacher up in Scotland. Oh, right. And then, uh, and then uh, now he's down, he's uh, in the south of Spain, in the mountains, in a hippie commune doing all like teaching the kids and stuff but he still does rapping and he's still really good um so yeah i've i decided to take this opportunity because even though he has a major influence on uk hip-hop i mean because obviously dirty dyke's gone massive and uh yeah. and everything i just feel like he deserves more of a limelight spotlight than he's got basically because he yeah. is uh, a legend and um, the song I chose is called Kid's Story. And it's, uh, if you, you've got to really, really listen to the lyrics because they're amazing. And he tells a really beautiful story. And the way, the way he does it is just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know one rapper that, that can, that can eloquently put such a nice story, basically. Spot on. Well, oh. Nice, Astra. <laughs> sad. <laughs> But I, no, I see no better reason than to play one of his tracks. So if someone wanted to hear some more Mr. Key, is there anywhere they should go in particular? Yeah, he has got his album he did with a producer called Greenwood Greenwood Sharps, and that is on highfocus.com. You can also, if you uh, uh, put in YouTube Mr. Key, you'll have a, quite a few of his um, of his tracks and stuff. Also, he features on some of Dirty Dyke's tunes and stuff. So just... Um, you put in Mr. Key on YouTube, you will get a sort of yeah, you'll get some some bits and pieces. And then if you wanted to buy the album, yeah, go on highfocus.com. Well, let's get a little bit of Mr. Key on. And as Ed said, the name of the tune is Kid Story. Yeah. It's not a true story. The story's true. Just a little and the kids and brittling, twitchy finger fiddling and pissing in the litter bin. Pity's what they're giving him, the fingers what he's giving back. Pity she's a bitch and treats the kiddie like a little twat. Jimmy was a piggy in the middle of a bloodbath. Dirty brought an upstart, bucking up his one chance. Trisha was a witness and a victim to her father's fist. Carves her skinny wrist a bit suspicious that she asked for it. Toast a happy couple, had a son but never simplified. They loved the kid but lacked the basic skills to give it right. Isn't like they didn't try, pocket. 
kick your opinion God don't want to listen to your gossiping and whinging Wash him in a system, baptise him in obedience Fronting like you're pure and forced, feeding him your breathiness Treat him as a deviant and leave him in the margin Weed him out the garden and completely disregard him He's getting older now How you gonna hold him down and why should he convey the rules inside a school that sold him out? Used to be that you could see the light, his eyes are colder now Shoulders hunched to fuck with skunk for puffing with an older crowd This ain't a story about a kid who couldn't sort it out Drugs are just a normal thing we do to keep the boredom out in smaller towns All that's really going down is petty crime Getting high, necking pines, fighting and forgetting why Simon had a messy mind, Megan was a lost soul Met her in the dance, pirouetting on a hot coal Birds with dirt and feathers stick together in a foxhole And used the lovers glue to plug the wounds and bloody bomb holes Welcome to the stronghold Enter and escape the fight Tried to break the cycle Turning every sign of day to night Hate and unabated strife Straight without a chaser right Knock it back Safe to say the odds were stacked away from sight And Megan trying to make a safer space To try and create a life They played it right And made it beautiful and safe inside A fateful night A child was born without a state of mind The lovers dedicated both their lives To try to raise it right So raise your glass To two courageous hearts To change the path From hate and darkness Into love and light And made it last Some days are hard to face And make you can't escape the past but you could look the bastard in his dirty fucking face and laugh and take a chance on what your love will bring oh bloody bladar and case arise the song the mother sings trouble is the happy ever afters getting hard today the modern state will make an education to a marketplace can modify the earth for what it's worth and if your dirt's poor they lost your size of children at the bottom of the workforce there's only ever one winner in the turf war that licks a pretty penny out the pittance that you work for whose world is this i'm working so the kiddies not the world is yours but first of course you've got a nick it though fuck a politician whistling that britain's broke shit's a joke he's probably sniffing coke from out of 50 notes stop sure it's all truth to get spit right but what's all this got to do with the kid's life well, pop your corn stop moving and sit tight it's all linked his eyes blink looser with insight you see inside the kid's mind his thinking's been developing ever since a little youth the kiddie's been intelligent but wouldn't toe the line that's why they think he isn't getting it he's getting it and simply he considers it irrelevant and isn't it he's literate and thinking for himself and there's the question why there's little truth in what you tell you treat him like he's little like your bigger time will tell authority's your shot and he ain't buying what you sell i see you trying it Paying lip service to autonomy i check the purpose in your personal philosophy it's like you're working in a version of monopoly your person's only purpose is to service the economy but honestly nah fuck that he's on a better track to make music move units stay repping that's a fact probably wasn't what did you expected a lotus flower grown from out the bottom of the cesspit that's a fact Probably was a what did you expected a lotus flower grown from out the bottom of the cesspit, that's a fact. Probably was a what did you expect? Probably was a what did you expect? Podcast is the moment where I ask the gentleman to my left to set the scene. Well, Ed, you've just been out for a delicious curry. I think we went for uh, the Tanners before Rollies for Mice, and then we head on down to the legendary Newcastle venue that is the Cooper Ridge. R.I.P. Coop. No, no, it's getting, it's getting rebuilt, man. It's getting done. Save the Coop. Save the Coop. Make, let's help make the Cooper Ridge great again. 
the game is you step through the door, you stumble up that rickety staircase, don't bang your head on the fucking on the low ceiling in between the rooms, like you see so many people do, so many people off their chops, banging their heads. You walk into the main room and the DJ plays the sickest tune you've ever heard in your life. Are you hands in the air or are you screw facing down? I'm hands in the air for this one, I reckon. We love a little bit of arms in the air. Um, What is it that, is there a certain sound that makes you fling these arms in the air or are you just one of those types that loves a a good exposition about you you were talking about dancing to the punk earlier so i can imagine you like having yeah. a wave on of all your limbs well yeah i mean that's a, i mean that's what arms in the air sort of a sort of protective um punching people kind of thing yeah. and then, uh, the jones and stevenson one i'm going to choose for that one is more euphoric chords euphoric chords always get me basically yeah. like uh, i think mainly because of MDMA, ecstasy, and all that sort of yes. things. Um, Those like, mostly do. Yeah, mostly. I mean, like if I if I think if I think back, that's probably what initially got me into that feeling. But I think, uh, yeah, I remember going to a illegal rave when I was 16, 17, Went to Luton uh, to an Exodus. Uh, collective party, thousands of people there. All this is before everyone was caved up and just falling about. It was like everyone was dancing in one big fucking thing. Oh, those were the days. Yeah. Oh my god. And then, uh, so then a couple of tunes from that sort of era of um, trance and techno and stuff uh, was um, you had the Orange Theme. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Cygnus X and that. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, and then Jones and Stevenson with the first rebirth, and that was really, I mean, because it, because it's kind of got the sort of trancey chordy thing, but then the, the the proper techno fucking kick drum going on, and like you know that that bit. Yeah, and Jones and Stevenson, the first rebirth, something that you've remixed. I've got yeah. a, I've got a live tape from you playing at Rollies in Newcastle. Uh, yeah, you play it to like, uh, you like stop the whole crowd and you're like, everybody listen, I've done this is this is my version of Jones and Stevens in the first rebirth, like, and you put a big it up before you play it, and I can just yeah. remember the sound guy James Smith going absolutely mental when you mentioned it was, and just, like, <laughs> like there was a, there was a moment where a few people were like, what's going on, and he was like jumping, waving his arms so enthusiastically, <laughs> absolutely all over the fucking world. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, me and, me, me and MDS from Life and I Method, that one. Because he's a, I mean, he, he is a wizard. He's got so many um, synths and so much knowledge. Like, he um, did all, you know, he did his masters and stuff. And he, he again, another person I've worked with um, that just loves the production side of things. Where I've, I've always been a bit of a, this bash bosh, more of a composer, uh, with my sort of punky attitude, I, don't, I just want to get it done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You've got somebody there who wants to just sit there and fucking make it sound real sexy and like, and use all of his synths. So he's got so much hardware. Uh, and then uh, in the last few years, he's got a load of like new mastering kits, like 20 grand's worth of EQ and compression and stuff. He's 
literally a G. He's just got like all the stuff. So yeah, me and him put we did that one and we did the orange theme as well. Um oh, just really? a little homage to uh to that um era oh, of, one and I'll I'll give that a listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you a or I'll give you a link and you can share it with your people. That would be brilliant. There we go. That's another reason to get down into the links and just having a look here, Addy. Right. It looks like this is the moment where Ed's decided to play his wild card. <laughs> it's two and a one. This is the moment where Ed's decided to use his wild card. It's a two and a one. We're not As- doing the siren again because it knocked the recorder last time. Yeah, Addy's been a bad boy. He keeps like messing with all the levels. I'm trying, I'm trying to sabotage the podcast. Right. <laughs> We've shifted it up to his house, so he's, uh, you know, King Tutton here, screaming and shouting. And but you've gone for... I have got a judgy, a judgy staffy looking at the door, looking at the floor in a huff, because I'm not going to take him for a W-E-L-K. Yeah, he, he, is, uh, he is in such a bad mood. He's in a proper huff in the door. He's, he's done, like, he's done uh, an abuse. He's actually turned his back on one. And put his head down. <laughs> he's like, I would get my, I would get my name to the screen when she's downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, nice I, to earlier because she's fucking pussy with me so you picked another track as well that also represents arms in the air but for something a little bit different do you want to talk about that track as well yeah well i thought um i thought i'd also use the opportunity to um promote some of the stuff i was doing with e coli and also just um it sort of like rounds up a little bit of the festival fever thing as well to a certain extent um, just because whenever we play this track, particularly the the last the last breakdown after I mean, the last climax and drop after the breakdown, um, always seems to get people fucking going and putting the stick in their arms in the air, everything in the air. Um, it's a it's actually a a cover of an Italian revolution song. It was about uh, it's a it's all I sing it in Italian, not that I can speak Italian, but I uh, <laughs> sing it in Italian in a very fucking weird accent. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a story of a uh, a woman saying goodbye uh, to her um, her husband, who's a partisan, you know, like a fight for the, the resistance kind of thing against the fascists. Yeah, and he's going off to. Um, to fight the fascists and she's basically um she's yeah it's kind of like a an emotional goodbye basically um say you know if you don't come back i'm gonna i'll bury you know and i'll and i'll and i'll plant the flower and but it is used uh as a sort of anti-fascist song um so also another reason why it'd be a good tune to play right now in this sort of uh, right wingy kind of environment we've got here now. Absolutely. Um, maybe urging people to go out and fucking kill everyone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a uh, yeah, it, it, it is a, is a song that stands the test of time. If you go to mainland Europe, uh, now you need a visa for that. But uh, if you go to mainland oh, Europe. Possible. Yeah, you've got a blue passport though, so it's all good. But uh, if you go to mainland Europe, people know this song a lot more than they do in the UK. But uh, me and uh, 
E. Coli decided to remix it, and um, it's basically been our finishing uh, set tune since we started our project, really. Spot on, cool. Well, let's get a little bit of back-to-back -back action going on. We've got a two and a runner, so we'll go straight from Jones and Stevenson, the first rebirth, into a little bit of Ed Cox and E. Coli, um, and we'll do that right now.
there. We're going. There's a little bit of a two and a one. Two and a one. A double yeah. dud it. Yeah, we love a little bit of a two and a one here on the On The Work podcast. Uh, that was a little bit of Ed Cox and Nicolai. Uh, that came after St. Jones and Stevenson with the first rebirth. Uh, just one of those seminal rave tunes. Absolutely. A classic. A classic. Section seven of the On The Rave podcast is the dedication section. So what we'll do, um, we always just hand this over to the artists to say who they want to play a track for and uh, what the track actually is. So I will pass over to Mr. Cox. Um, I'd like to dedicate this song uh, to Carla, my wonderful girlfriend, slash baby mother, slash another baby in the oven carrier. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it's basically, we've known each other for a long time before we uh, become boyfriend and girlfriend. And uh, she's also a really good DJ. Um, the name's Boss Lady. Um, and yeah, she, I mean, her love of music definitely was a, something that um, drew her to me as well. And um, yeah, I'm going to dedicate one of my tracks, um, Clown Koala, which released on Life of Land in 2005. And she told me that this was a special track for her because her and her friends we went to a they went to a rave in Wales and they're from even deeper into East Anglia than I am, um, sort of Suffolk way. So driving to Wales is good like for this last five hour journey. And apparently they played the it was a part of one of, I think it was one of Jabba's, Jabba's mixes. He played Clown Koala at the beginning and they just like played the beginning mix, like beginning of the mix, this June, over and over again, all the way to Wales. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to dedicate Clown Koala to Carla slash Boss Lady. <laughs>
down there's a little bit of clown koala um what a lovely dedication as well it is yeah i'm pretty sure that's the third time we've played it on the podcast um which is cool as you know what i mean it's one of those yeah oh, that's good going <laughs> and as, as i was doing something right that day <laughs> oh what, a, what an eye what an absolute storm i love that one and my ringtone for many years just me fanboying out here uh <laughs> Yeah, that was my ringtone for many, many, many years. Um, speaking of uh, guilty pleasures, let's crack on. With a little bit of guilty pleasures. Yeah. So where do you lie on the whole guilty pleasures thing? Do you think they exist? Or do you think, fuck it, it's, it's music which I like, you can all fuck off? Um, a bit of both. I mean, like, the thing is, it's such a... I've got... I've got quite a lot of things that could probably technically be classed as guilty pleasures. Right. And I thought, because because this shows that on the rave and stuff, I thought I'd do it in a rave style because A, it's all called on the rave, and B, I haven't really put much rave forward on this show compared, you know what I mean? As I, mean, I come from a different sort of background and then like, yeah. um, you know, it... You know, most of, like most of the selections are aren't are like ravey. So I thought I'd I'll give you a cheesy rave one. Uh, yeah, just because. Yeah. Oh, that's not? that's absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, there's, there's pop music I like, and I'll I'll happily tell people. You know, I like I like that tune, and I don't I don't feel you know. There's like a Alicia Keys songs I like, and there's like you know, there's songs that you could be like, oh, that's just really cheese poorly but I think if it wasn't for cheese and like my appreciation of some of it um, I don't think my music would have gone in the way it does but then like when I say cheese there's a lot of cheese I've, I also can't stand like, <laughs> yeah. you know there's like there's some of the sort of when people go cheese and they like play all this sort of disco and like and then or somebody will go and do a disco set at a rave, I, I get a bit like there's not the place for that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I do like there's a sort of I don't like I like cheese that I like my kind of cheese. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. Everyone's got their own sort of their version. Their standard of fromage. Yeah. <laughs> Like everyone's got everyone's got their different little nooks and crannies where they like to hide away their musical preferences. You know? Yeah. Um. So what is it about this tune that you've selected that makes it a guilty pleasure? I can see the smile coming across your face. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got a funny memory. It's got a funny memory to it. Like, um, well, my sister, my sister is uh, into happy hardcore. Um. Uh, or she was when I was when I was younger. Right. And, um, we, me and Monster, uh, well, Monster bought a few records that was um, that was uh, uh, Happy Hardcore, and uh, this was on one of them, uh, Toy Town, the song. Um, and basically, we so we had it on vinyl, and, we, and uh, we were putting on the Life of Land. This was in. This is in year 2000, so it's fucking a long time ago. Um, and basically, yeah, we we went down to what, go and have a look at the site, and it was an ex-quarry uh, that uh, had been filled up with water. So there was a, a sort of gravel quarries. There was quite a few of them. There was just one that had this big bit of 
it's almost like a mini island, not an island, but going out into the thing, and uh, so it's like a almost like a peninsula or whatever, yeah. going out from into the lake. Right. And we put the big like right at the end of the of the peninsula, so it's like water all around you, sort of. It's amazing. But anyway, like the previous day, we were like, let's just finalize the the place where we're going to put the rig and everything, and like just have one more little scope mission. So we're there and we're fucking building up this massive fat joint. We're sitting there, just like, okay, well, we'll have the decks there, the people dancing here, and like generating there, and sort of working out, working out everything. And uh, next thing you know, this guy comes along. He's like, "You right, boys?" We're like, yeah, all right. And then he, he turns out he's the, the bailiff for all the fishing in the area. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's a private fishing lakes and stuff. So like, what are you guys up to then? We're like, oh, nothing really. Like, just, <laughs> just chilling out, you know? He's like, all right. And then he's just like talking. He's like, he's smoking a joint there. And we're like, oh, maybe. And he's just like, oh, yeah, fair enough. He's just chatting and chatting and chatting. And this guy's just wouldn't shut up. We're like, fuck off, just like just <laughs> doing this thing. And then uh, a good half an hour into the conversation, he's like, you never guess what the cheeky bastards did over there. And we're like, what? And he's like, they put on a rave, they did. They had the people <laughs> over there. And we're like, really? And like, we're just like, oh, fuck. And then they see, you know, we're like, the fast forward by about fucking, I don't know, 12, 18 hours. And there's us, our rave, just fucking like having it. And, um, Fast forward a little bit later, and it's about nine in the morning at this point. Put on uh, the couple of happy hardcore tracks we had just for fucking shits and giggles. Toy Town comes on, and we look over, and who is it? The fucking fisherman guy with his fucking waders on, yeah? <laughs> Chain smoking fucking like um, Super King, those extra long cigarettes with his yeah. mate. Just like dancing to like Toy Town. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, what is going on? It's just like, <laughs> but yeah, so that's our, that's my little, uh, little story for the tune. <laughs> brilliant story, that like, yeah, brilliant, yeah, um, with memories of the random fishery guy in his weird as bobbing right and left. He has uh, a bit of a uh, Pixie and Shorty, Toy Town. ESI.
kind of whack, a little bit of Hixie, a little bit of Toy Town, or a little bit of Pat interrupting with, yes. with these edgy stuffiness. Oh, Ari Tsun, I know you want to piss. <laughs> he was fine. I'll go and give him some biscuits or something. There we go. Ari will go and give him some biscuits. While we talk about the next section of the podcast, which is the greatest of all time, or the GOAT. So, was this a difficult one for you, or was this one artist just jump out at you? Could this have been, you said earlier that if you did this list on a different day, you'd have picked 11 completely different songs like so. Would this yeah. have been, or would it have been the same guy? Um, I think as we're talking, as we're talking rave and like electronic music and stuff, I think there is, there's no one really that like, um, except for some tracks of some people. The thing is this guy, Aphex Twin, he, he really does like, he sort of shines through on, on on many different levels, you know, his musicality and stuff, you know, if you've seen any of the, uh, or heard any of the orchestral uh, covers of some of his tracks and stuff, there's not much rave music that really, I mean, there is, there is some, some, but I mean, the, the fact that it can be so transferred so beautifully in, a, on, in an orchestra sort of way and like, also, his production, uh, the fact that, you know, um, when when he was doing all of this music, you know, compared to what else was going on at the time, uh, you know, like the earlier stuff and his ability to be able to do ambient stuff plus really hard stuff, plus having all the, um, the amazing videos and, uh, yeah, you know, just as an all-round artist, um, the overall presentation of everything. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and the elusiveness of it, the way that, you know, to yeah, see Aphex Twin, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, it's part of it, you know. I remember, like, someone saying it was, like, fucking 20 grand or something to fucking book him, or I don't know how true that was, but um, the fact that he sells himself in such a way as well, like, it's kind of, like, it's quite admirable, really. Like, he he is so, such a real artist, you know what I mean? It's not like... Uh, Somebody you could see at the fucking student fucking freshers night, and then you could see him. You know, it's like it's a fucking yeah, plays out in it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's something that he he can't even can't really even really make a comment like a negative comment in a way. Even though he's got he has released stuff that I, I don't really get on with, and I've heard of him doing shows where he doesn't really please the crowd and I know but he's him is himself and he's just doing himself he's authentic and um yeah I mean some of his tracks I mean I just put them on and it just takes me somewhere you know it, it's something where it's like a lot of rave music and stuff I could I listen to it and being a bit of a producer and uh, artist myself I can't help but dissect it you know yeah, and yeah. Like, there's a lot of things where I can sort of tell what people are doing, or if I if I can't tell what they're doing, I can learn what they're doing, and maybe not create it exactly the same, or maybe it won't be as clean and nice sounding as the thing, but I understand the process of getting to that point. Yeah. Whereas Apex Twin, I feel like to get to that moment where he's got to to create that music, it, it it takes a level of 
of sort of geniusness, you know, you know, like he's he's got something that other people haven't got, and um, and that's why I put him forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's one of those artists who's up on the upper echelons for me as well. Uh, and I think, as you said, as you rightly put, a lot of it is to do with his mystique as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Little stories or the little like non-stories about him, like about. Yeah. Music studio that's in the safe of an abandoned bank, and um, yeah, all the stories and all the mystique that goes with it, and then there's yeah. the variety of his work as well. I mean, you can put the selected ambient work album on, um, and listen to it, and it's just absolutely beautiful, yeah. Um, and then he, he does his more ravey, more broken stuff, and as you said, like as a visual project, some of the work he did with is it Christopher, is it Christopher Columbus? No, uh, that's something like no, that's the guy yeah. who discovered America. Yeah, yeah. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know what you mean though. I'll Google it. I can't remember his name. There we go. You can all brutalize me in the comments for thinking it was Christopher Columbus. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did yeah. like uh, yeah. is it, what about Johnny? His name is. I'm cheating. That's fine. Uh, la, 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 la. Uh, what was the name? Christopher Cunningham. There we go. There we go. There we go. Christopher Cunningham. But yeah, he did these like art and visual projects with the FX Twin, and yeah. was... he did the window liquor one, didn't he? Yes, I believe. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah the like the, the twerking girls with the fucking his face and that. It's like, yes, it's amazing. Like and, th and that song, so sleazy but fucking so weird and like. Um, I don't know. It's just it's fucking. It takes you somewhere. You it's the point of I don't know. Dark sleeves, like. And a lot of his music as well. You forget about how many like TV ads and stuff like that would play FX Twin. Yeah. Uh, I remember yeah. our ads where yeah. they'd have it on in the background. And it's it's like, very cinematic music in, in in points. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I, I can't argue, yeah, I completely agree. So what is it about the track that you've selected um, that makes you think that this is the epitome of FX Twin? I think uh, the track four is... Uh, is basically, it's got, it's got the, the ravey kind of broken beats, but it's also got his, like, uh, musicality going on as well. And, uh, again, like... Like Iron Maiden, it's got its own little movements to the the songs. You know, it goes off on one for a bit and then it goes back, and then you know, it's. Uh, I think that sort of thing in music, you know, from from my earliest memories of music to now, music that does that um, generally, I put higher than music that just stays on one riff, yeah. or even though you know. I always have a place, you know, like the alternative by the exploited, for example, that is one riff over and over and over again. Yeah. There is a place in my heart for that sort of music as well. But when you want when you want to know about what really makes me think that pushes things and like, you know, becomes that sort of greater of all of all time type fucking status, you really gotta be pushing it more and going off on a tangent and coming back and you know, taking people on the journey, really, because that's that's what it's all about, really, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Spawn. Well, I see no better reason than to get a little bit on. Um, so let's go for a bit of FX Twin, and it is simply named Four. of all time afx twin one and another in the same category i'd i'd, I'd have to agree yes I, you can't argue with that like yes yeah. uh there's a lot right of, up there there's a lot of people got a lot of love for what the man does um uh, and it's because it's because he does it well he does it does he does it he does it well um 
a couple of my particular favourites. I do love Donkey Rhubarb with the absolutely demented Teletubbies in the video. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is pretty good. Uh, and On as well. On's just... Yeah, On's yeah it's a class. Like the stop motion video on the beach. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, pretty, pretty iconic. And uh, yeah, just FX Twin, man. Quality, quality stuff. So we've managed to wangle all the way through another one of these podcasts. Addy, this is... Twice. Now. Twice, half twice. <laughs> um, uh, this is podcast number 42. Um, uh, it's, 44. it's not as 42, 41 was the one that went out this morning. Um, I think it was. I'll make the, I'll make the thumbnails, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, I made it 43. You said it was 43, did you? I definitely either way, one of them have got to change a thumbnail or a tag. <laughs> yeah. Something's got to get edited in any case. Like, but yeah, we've got through another one of these shows, and thank you very much for taking a little time out of your busy schedule to sit down. Yes, and thanks talk. very much, Ed. It's been a fucking pleasure to talk to uh, a couple of Geordie knobheads. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. Now that's gone. It's spot on me. Um, uh, let's go on and talk about personal anthems. Uh, before we get on to that final section, have you got anything going on that the world needs to know about? Uh, can we point anyone in the direction of any projects that you've got coming up? Uh, yeah, well, so basically, yeah, just watch this space. I've got um, I've got this loop station, new project I'm doing. I've got I bought a whole new uh, load of equipment. So basically, it's like building machines on the spot. So I just thought I. Um, as much as I'll carry on doing everything I normally do, I just want to, when when I can perform again, I want to sort of try and take it on another journey again. Uh, so it's basically, yeah, I've got NPC doing the like sampled beats and stuff. Uh, I've got a synth. Uh, I've got everything plugged into a mix and desk going through a, a RC505 loop station. Um, so I'm going to be sort of Trying taking a different um, different approach really. So uh, at the moment, I'm just kind of organising um, things in my studio so I can start doing sort of live streams and stuff. Yeah, but it's a bit of a work in progress. I'm not. It's not going to happen uh, anytime so soon. Like, you know, yeah, it'll be it'll be a good few months before it's sort of ready to to do that. But that's the thing I'm really excited about. Uh, in terms of the Ed Cox sort of side of things. I've got uh, Chaotic Cartel, my reggae and dancehall thing I mentioned earlier. Uh, that um, we're doing a, we're doing a EP with Amlak, who, Amlak Red Square, who is uh, Spragabenz's nephew. Um, and he's, um, we met him in Kingston uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, he's really good. Uh, we've got most of the tunes complete now. We're just waiting because he had to release another thing. So we're sort of waiting for that promotion to die down. And then uh, we've got another couple of tunes to record. So that should be done in the next first half of the year. And then we've got uh, a single or two coming out before that. And then... Um, I'll be meeting up with Stivs for a long time since we've done that. Uh, we'll be doing a DSC tune the next couple of weeks, so we're just probably just going to blab that out for free on, on the SoundCloud at some point soon. Nice. Um, 
And I try and in between all of this, fatherhood, working, fucking being an essential worker and all of this shit as well. I mean, I've been trying to sort of put some tunes aside for my own personal solo album. That's a bit more my productions plus a couple of accordion ones. But it's literally at the moment, without having the gigs and the you know, having that sort of um A need and uh B sort of forever inspiration that, you know, you've got this burning flame that you kind of can't can't put out, you know. It it is taking the wind out of a lot of musicians basically. So um I'm kind of lucky in a way. I've got I've got my family life now, and I've I've got my head down, and I've you know I bought all this equipment, so I am doing music, but it's it's slowed slowed down in some ways. Like, but the few things I've got on are are solid and they're happening. But it's uh, yeah. Well, that's it. It's it's Thank- all still a learning process, and we're all still getting used to this new normal. Um, yeah. Obviously, people like us performers take a lot from performing. You know what I mean? Yeah, this there's, is a lot of, there's a lot of inspiration to be had by being in front yeah. of a crowd, and you can get a feel for what works and what, what people are enjoying. Testing little things out. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. No, like I like so, I think it was Dave Shades when we were talking to him was talking about sometimes the struggle when you're doing streams and stuff like that to get any sort of constructive feedback uh yeah like so yeah well this is it and obviously it's all just still a working process but as i say um we're gonna bang loads of links in the comment section so you can get down there and we'll put links to where you can find ed stuff to where you can find some of the dog shit crew stuff yeah um just links to all of the bits and pieces he'll file them over to us and we'll share them with you so you can all go and have a search Let's crack on with the very last section of the podcast, which is <laughs> personal <laughs> anthems. He doesn't know his own show. So <laughs> we have just said, uh, I've had if you had. Well, <laughs> so if you were a WWF wrestler, <laughs> what would the big tune that you would be rocking down the ring that gets you hype be? Uh, well, another is another little opportunity to pick up one of the things I've been doing. And it's, this is tunes called This Is England. It's actually, the song is featured in the film This Is England, and it's also got a This Is England film sample at the beginning of it. So, yeah, it's a remix of a tune called Fiori Del Mundo by Ludovico Vico Ainaldi. A very Italian Proper Italian mouthful, that <laughs> Yeah, um, so yeah, we just, it's quite an emotional, emotional song, so that's like, you'd, you'd want to go into a WWF wrestling match with fucking an emotional kind of dark uh, thing going on in the background, with a bit of heavy uh, heavy aspect, aspects in it. Um, this tune was recently released, I mean, we made it a couple of years ago, Um it was going to go out on someone else's label, but then uh, our good friend who runs Irritant Sounds was like, because the other guy was on with an R and never actually bothered doing it. Our friends from Irritant Sounds, he was like, right, I'm doing it. Right, let's just fucking do it. And so we're lucky it come out. It was a part of the double vinyl with uh, a whole 
different load of uh, other producers, all mainly from the free party underground uh, music scene. And the, uh, the whole the whole double vinyl thing is called This Is England. Uh, the artwork's amazing, like I said before, by the Porg. Uh, and all the tunes are real tough. They, it is, it is a, it, I think it's going to be a collector's piece, really. Just, just for the artwork, the whole, the whole thing, really. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah. Yes, a we're, we're looking at it now. Yeah, yeah, we're looking at it now. I bought the album. You sent it to me a few days before we sorted this recording, and uh, halfway through listening to the first song, I was like, "Right, okay, I'm going to have to buy this track." And then. <laughs> and listen to all of them we've just sat and recorded a radio show as well that's going yeah. out and we played one of the tracks from this release on the radio show as well um it's got some absolute bangers and it's not just me saying it because you're here in front of where and you're on uh well practically headlining with it like being your track being called this is england and the ep being called this is england but the artwork you're right it's just absolutely sick um, it's a take on a bunch of politicians being controlled by a puppeteer and um, yeah it, it, it's a cool bit of shit um, uh, and uh, you can pick that up by going to Irritant Sounds on Bandcamp um, I think it cost me a tenner or I think I sent over a tenner oh, it's 20, uh, for, 20 for the vinyl yeah. I've just checked that out before yeah. I go and buy it yeah and he's already yeah, it's it definitely well worth the vinyl. I mean, if you if you if you're if you're a vinyl collector, even if not, it's so you can even fucking hang the thing on the wall. It is fucking, it's it's just nice. I mean, they're keeping they're keeping that sort of scene alive. I mean, yeah. Everton, uh, yeah, we're all sort of underground dance um, crew in Bristol, in the UK, doing uh, parties all over the all over UK, all over Europe. Uh, and I've, I've always just kept it real, really. Uh, and I've, we've always worked closely along the uh, Irritant, um, Life Aloud and Irritant sound system. We're kind of like, we're not one thing, but we are definitely uh, lower family, family sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, live, I've lived with the main guy. You know, we were sort of living on the traveller site together for years and years. So we're all kind of, you know, when they're there parties, we will help out or... Uh, you know, we've been on tour together many times. So us doing this track for them, it, it, it's kind of inevitable, really. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's just been, he's been putting out loads of good stuff and, yeah, just doing loads of positive things for the scene, really. So, um, yeah, check it out, really. Yeah, Irrison, Irrison's got it. their own website as well, so... We will, as we've said all the way through, there'll be links in the comments for you to go and have a look at all of these different bits and pieces. Ed, it's been mint getting to sit down and crack on with you for the last bit of time, but let's get this yeah. on and let's get you packed off for the night. So, uh, for all the rivers out there, do you want to introduce the track and say goodbye? Yeah, this tune is called This Is England and it's by the DSC. That's myself, myself and DJ Stibbs. Fucking hell, look at him play. Keith! Keefe! Oi! Oi! Talking to me? What? You never knew Keith checked when had a son. That piss off! What the fuck are they? These? I'm wearing them for a bet. What's your excuse? Woodstock's that way, pal. Fuck off, he's going to white cam Dracula. <laughs> you think you're funny, yeah? Yeah. You think you're funny, you little surprise? Yeah. Are you a fucking joke, yeah? Yeah, go, yeah, go on, man. How many people can you fit in a minute? I don't fucking know how many. 
three in the back, two in the front. Your fucking daddy, yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
Yeah. Well, there you go. We've got to an end of another one of these shows. It did. It took, it took twice. It did. It took two goes. Two and a one, almost. Uh, almost, yeah. It took double the amount of time, but oh, that's all right. We don't really care. Um, We've we had were, a good day. It's we, been a good day. Yeah, yeah. And we hope that you enjoyed that. Um, I wasn't joking. I have actually bought that release that was sent out. So um, if you like that little This Is England, get a look in the comments. And uh, It's all over the place. And stuff. I'm not joking. I get paid next week. I will be buying the vinyl. Yeah, it's a really, really pretty bit of artwork. Like, you should dig out and, and have a look at the artwork that's on there. Um, as I said, it's, This Is England from the Shane Meadows, isn't it? Yes. He's the one who does the series and the movies, the This Is England Bandless. In any case, we've got through one of these podcasts and we're right at the very end of the show. So we all know that now is the time for Mr. UEP to get proper sciency. Um, proper sciency today. I'm not fucking around. I'm going back to my favourite label of all time. I can fucking swear on this podcast because it's not on the radio. So fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> so my favourite fucking, fucking, fucking fucking record label is bloody fucking fist so have a bit of this this is one from is from the head honcho this is mr mark newlands under the guise of overcast this is pe hashtag one remix at 3 p.m <laughs> there you go it's not always what's in the name folks don't judge a book by its cover it's actually an absolute banger so thank you for tuning in once again to the on the rave podcast you know where you can find us we're all over the social media let's get your face absolutely full of it my name is Gav, Abadi. and we are now officially off the rave. If the hour hand points to the three, the time is three o'clock. It's three o'clock. At the first stroke, it will be three o'clock.
My sound much better. Thank <laughs> you.